0: And welcome to Hispanic Genealogy Talk podcast. My name is Cynthia Ann and I'm the host. My guest today is a scholar and a translator of Old World Spanish documents. He is the president of Taylor Translation Services. He holds a BA in History and Anthropology from the University of New Mexico, an MA in Hispanic literature and holds a PhD in Hispanic literature. Dr. Aaron Taylor, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Cynthia. How are you doing?
0: Good, thank you. So listen, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on and taking some of your valuable time to spend with us. So wow, you have incredible credentials. And I know my listeners will enjoy your talk today. So where should we impact this incredible career of yours? Um, let's start with the services you offer your clients. I'm so excited that you'll be available to help those uh, that are unable to read Spanish, uh, much less understand archaic Spanish.
1: Yes, so I I offer um, a wide variety of services. Uh, what I do for most genealogists are transcriptions and translations. Okay. Um, so. These can be short records like baptismal records, uh, death records or long uh, court cases, for example, from Spanish archives of New Mexico. And I will transcribe the old script into um, like a Word document and then I translate it, uh, update the punctuation and I I follow a um, certain set of conventions so that you know exactly what I've done with the original Spanish.
0: Uh, where yeah. I've
1: added punctuation, corrected scribal mistakes, um, and mm-hmm. things like that. And so when, when somebody uses my services, um, they'll receive both the transcription and the translation. And mm-hmm. they can take that uh, and do what they like with it. They could publish it. They can um, use it for further research. So I encourage all your listeners to definitely Absolutely. use that if they are not able to read Spanish
0: oh and most of them aren't believe me a lot of us are are uh, third generation hispanic americans uh from mexico or other places in latin america and um i know that uh it's very difficult actually for anybody from latin america to get um to get an ancestry test i was just reading about that they're not even allowing that to happen over there so uh, a lot of these tests are done by yeah by by latin or hispanic americans And we've kind of lost a little bit of that ability, unfortunately. I mean, through time, you know, that's what happens. You just basically um, become accustomed to the culture you're growing up with. And we tend to lose that, um, that ability to speak even just generic Spanish, much less, you know, the archaic Spanish. I know I've had that problem in um in in my uh, uh, research, and you helped me uh, many years ago uh, on one that was just incredibly scribbled i couldn 't even believe it, and you were able to transcribe it for me but uh, tell me how did you get involved in that uh, learning about old world languages and ancestry work
1: that's a great question, and actually to your what you were just speaking about the so i I am a heritage learner of spanish my um, dad grew up speaking spanish as his first language oh. and most of his older relatives uh spoke it as well as their first language uh-huh. it didn't get passed down to me uh we would just hear it from my grandparents um being used by the older adults so i always had this desire to learn spanish and understand what uh my dad was saying about me <laughs> <laughs> That's a good You could you could teacher. pick yeah, up, really. up um to know that they were talking about you and uh so i i started learning spanish in um, early college this is going on my goodness 25 years ago
0: <laughs> and one
1: of my spanish teachers was a um he was half new mexican and half spanish from spain i think oh. his mother was from spain um It may have been vice versa, but he was studying medieval Spanish uh, at the University of New Mexico. Mm -hmm. And I had him for some of my upper level Spanish courses. One thing that he told us about was that the Spanish from up North in Northern New Mexico, Southern Colorado Mm -hmm. is an older form of Spanish. And he showed us uh, some manuscripts and early printed works during one of our courses. Um, It wasn't a, a course that was at that level but he was just um, it kind of explaining what he, his research was. So I was fascinated right. by um, older documents, history. Mm-hmm. Um, I dabbled in archeology span for about a year and a half.
0: Out oh, of wonderful. College. Oh, my goodness. So I've
1: always loved the, you know, knowing what happened in the past, what life was like.
0: Oh, wow. Yes.
1: And so yes. I, long story short, I learned Spanish in college um, Mm -hmm. through, uh, friends, um, girlfriends, -girlfriends, (laughs) ex-girlfriends and so forth. And about 20, uh, about 2006, I decided to go back to school, um, pursue my master's and I said, I want to improve my Spanish. One of the first people I talked to was Dr. Anthony Cardenas at the University Mm -hmm. of Mexico, who was actually the, um, uh, dissertation chair for my previous Spanish teacher, the one that had talked about the older Spanish documents. So, uh, Profe Cardenas, as we um, Uh, call him with cariño, uh, said, you have to study under me, and I will teach you how to read these documents. Uh, And so I started studying uh, a broad variety of Spanish literature from Latin America and Spain, both uh, from the medieval period through the 20th century but my focus quickly became medieval spanish and that carried on through my doctorate Uh, and a lot of the works that you read from the medieval period were either reprinted or recopied in the 16th century 17th century so i started coming across texts that were written a little bit later Mm -hmm. uh, or i should say recopied and so i became familiar with a variety of scripts Probably by about 20, uh, sorry, I keep saying 20, um, about 2009, I was working fairly frequently with different manuscripts and older printed mm. books. So that carried on through 2014. Um, I had the opportunity to go to Spain and read manuscripts there for my dissertation. Oh. Uh, right. The Center for Southwest Research Um, hired me to look at some of the uh, manuscripts that they have on uh, microfilm and they now have them digitized as part of their collection. So there were just all these different experiences that I um, was really blessed to have working with different manuscripts from different periods, uh, different types of manuscripts, letters, reports, uh, some genealogical documents, but not much at that early period. And Mm -hmm it continued on so the genealogical aspect uh was kind of in the background with me since i was Mm -hmm. a child because my grandmother on my mom's side uh who isn't spanish at all she actually was uh, scotch irish german and um some other um backgrounds there but he was in genealogy when i was a kid and she was a I think a president of our Albuquerque genealogical society years mm. ago so she would always talk to me about old family members and this line and that line of the family and show me the new documents she found in German, mm. Polish, um, etc. So I was, uh, I was fascinated with genealogy before I ever, ever even knew Spanish.
0: It t- totally sounds like it and you had a wonderful tutor too and your mom. Yeah, I mean, that is uh, talk about having uh, been planted a seed early in life. Uh, It's uh, it's great when a parent can can um, put that seed in that child and get them to be interested and become a lifelong learner, not just in genealogy, but in history. And that's one of the things that I've I really am uh, very much uh, in favor of is teaching genealogy early to kids. Because it inspires them to learn about history, world history, cultures, language, food, everything. It's all encompassing, and um, you're such a fascinating person to talk to. I hope I don't keep you on forever because I have so many <laughs> questions <laughs> well, just about gonna... the mid, the medieval script that you uh, found that you saw in Spain. Um, I'm a um, uh, you know uh, a history buff. Uh, let's just put it that way. And uh, I, did not, uh, I did not follow my calling early in life. I should have done it. But I went on to become, um, for lack of a better word, an entertainer. I was an actor for a while and I actually went to Europe for four months. That's how I met my husband. And I sang for a while. I went into the entertainment business, but my love was deep research, always has been. And to this day, I'm still researching and reading books. And I actually tutor, or I, haven't, I have been tutoring up until the pandemic, um, you know, old world history uh, for, uh, for ninth through 12th grade. And so I'm fascinated with that whole medieval, uh, you know, life in Spain because of what happened with Rome, right? And um, so I, I, when I think of some of these documents that I personally have found, which are not that far back, I think my goodness this is taking us even further into Spain which is where the whole Roman Empire you know had run and then of course you know uh uh what happened after uh the uh the conquest of um, of 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 the arabs and all of that mm-hmm. and so it's all very fascinating and it must be wonderful for you to be able to see all of that it must have been great for you
1: it it was amazing and i i love to go back there i haven't been back there in a couple of years but yes, um, so it was my grandmother who instilled the gene- genealogy yeah. in me. But uh, it, was, it was great. She had me organizing her notebooks uh, when I was probably in third grade. Uh, this is obviously prior to computers. <laughs> uh, she would, <laughs> yeah. you know, She would tell me about her trips to Salt Lake City to visit all the mm-hmm. archives that they had. Uh, she'd go, she went to Switzerland uh, to do research and meet distant cousins. Yeah. No, I just grew up with awesome. this amazing kind of sense of history.
0: But oh, the... yeah. It's, it's no wonder that you went on to get your PhD in this in this particular field. And you can, I think, probably even go into archaeology or somewhere in that field. You know, I've always wondered what it would be like. <clears throat> so, on your dad's side, your your dad's side is the New Mexican side.
1: Yes. Yes. Um, and people ask me about this all the time because my last name is Taylor. They don't usually associate that with Spanish speaking, but my great grandfather came out from uh, Virginia uh-huh. and Oklahoma and married uh-huh. up in northern New Mexico. And so my uh-huh. grandfather, who is, I think, about 90, oh, is he 93 uh, now? Uh-huh. He uh, grew up speaking Spanish and English. Uh, my dad and my oh, older, sure. older um, uncles and aunts grew up speaking Spanish because that's what all the other relatives spoke so they had an an interesting mix of cultures but the Spanish Hispanic culture became pretty dominant for at least those generations
0: it reminds me of uh, uh, Linda Ronstadt you know uh, the, the singer right yes and uh, we, do have, we do have some family connections there, interestingly enough. Uh, I'll just tell you a little anecdotal uh, bit of information there. Okay, so Leonard Ronstadt's great grandfather came from um, Germany and he came and settled in uh, northern New Mexico. I'm sorry, not, uh, northern Mexico, northern Mexico, because mm-hmm. my ancestors come from, from Sonora. Okay. Um, and as far as I can tell, they have been there for at least 300 years. On my dad's side, he comes from Baja and the same thing, right? About 300 years. That's as far as the documents I've been able to find on them. Yeah. But um, interestingly enough is that on one line of my mother's side, the Montaño line, uh, they knew the Ronstads. And yeah. um, they uh, actually um, knew each other. They were friends in Sonora. And uh, they all spoke Spanish, the Ronstads. I mean, they were Mexican. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because the, you know, the great grandfather moved here and settled there. And his children grew up uh, knowing Mexicans and, and knowing uh, nothing but Spanish. Well, fast forward to about 1916. Um, I came to find out that my, grand, uh, my uncle, my great uncle, had actually run one of the Ronstadt ranches, William Ronstadt, uh, his ranch. And then later, um uh we uh my brother who is a singer um got a chance to actually record with Linda Ronstadt in Canzonas de mi padre. Oh, That's the name of the of yes. the yeah, of the album. I have it. <laughs> and um he He helped write some of his her music, and he's in it and i'm like, "Oh my God, look at that! but i didn't know that connection. I had no idea about it and so what's interesting about this is that a lot of people and i 'm trying to get the- you know the word across to to Hispanics is that a lot of them are are actually of um of European descent, and so um it doesn't shock me it doesn't surprise me at all that your um ancestors um you know hail from from Europe
1: right. Yeah and that's the I think the more you get into um Hispanic Latin culture Spanish culture uh wherever you're at it's difficult to put everybody in a box like like mm-hmm. want to as as uh, human beings it's it's always more complicated and you see that you oh, see absolutely. that in the genealogy you see that in the history uh, it's not cut and dry and or our roots are not cut and dry either. So.
0: No, 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 they aren't. And Mexico is one of the most uh, diverse in terms of uh, culture that you will be able to find anywhere. Pretty much all of Latin America, too. But it's very fascinating. Now, I'm always fascinated with New Mexico. I'm always fascinated with New Mexicans. Because, um, uh, so my people came from Sonora, but then they they went to Arizona, and now we're in California. Right. So that's where I'm calling you from. But um the what's neat about New Mexico is that it kept its Spanish traditions and of course everybody's mixed now but what I like to say is culture is what really matters and it you know a lot of times you'll see in New Mexico the New Mexicans have a particular way you know of representing that Spanish uh you know culture and it's really it's really fabulous how long have your ancestors been in New Mexico?
1: So on the on the Taylor side, they came out in the nineteen, I want to say about nineteen twenty. On uh so my my uh paternal grandfather, his uh, his mother is connected to the Gurule uh family line. Which, oh, if you're familiar not. with that uh that line, they go back to a French uh a lost French explorer, yes. as I recall the story. And uh it was mm-hmm. uh Jacques Grolet or something like that. And that's, that can, that's already been traced back to, um, I think, late 1600s. I'd have to go back and look, but um, yeah, so. That,
0: Probably with, okay, so yeah, that really. That could have been far. Also, yeah, that's, um, the French were there. Yeah, uh-huh.
1: it's, it's a fun story to tell. I've passed that on to my daughter. I should learn the details a little more. Um, but <laughs> it's, uh, it's definitely a, a New Mexico last name of, and. of, in, last name of origin. And um, then on my grandmother's side, she goes back to the second wave of colonists of the um, Reconquista by De Vargas. Uh, So I think about um, 1698, 1701 there about, um, her Lovato family came up uh, and she's got some other, obviously other other lines in there as well. Uh, So uh there's there's parts of my lineage that are very rooted in new mexico not to mention um all of the native ancestry that we have that you know we don't we don't know a lot of the details but um some of the traditions uh my great-grandmother was a curandera and so we know Uh um, there's a lot of influence in the family from the native tradition, so we want to honor that and sure. remember it and pass it on right. as much as possible. So, yeah, so uh, exactly depending on the line, so we've been Mexican here forever is, right? or <laughs> more recent.
0: Yes, exactly. We, we actually have been yeah. uh, here forever. I'm still, I'm very excited to tell you that um, I just got my DNA test, my mitochondrial DNA uh-huh. test from family um, uh, tree DNA. And I have done the test. I just got it today. So um, I'm really excited because what I'm looking for is my mom's line. I want to know, she used to tell us a lot about, you know, the native side. Right. She used to say that, well, you know, uh, we think we're, we're yucky. Um, and we don't look yucky though. That's the problem. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that doesn't mean anything. We could have lost that, you know, that part of our, um, you know, of, of whatever constitutes that in the cell. Right. Uh And we don't really have a lot of uh, Native traditions, but I'm really excited to find out more about it because I have been on the hunt for it for a very long time. And I uh, found a good special uh, just recently uh, for the Cyber Week, and I ordered it. So um, I'll be letting everybody know on the podcast what the results were when it comes out. But I think we're all kind of looking for that. We're all kind of, you know, wanting to know so that we can, like you say, you know, uh, respect and honor those that have come, that have gone already, and um, it's, it's it's pretty cool. I have to ask you, how, what is the furthest uh, date that you've ever seen, or of course you've seen the, mid, the medieval documents, but the ones that you have had to work with, your clients, what's the furthest, uh, you know, transcribed Spanish document you've ever seen?
1: So, that I've ever seen... Or ever actually worked,
0: or transcribed,
1: <laughs> ever transcribed, um, probably. And this wasn't. This was during my graduate research. Um, probably the 14th century. Um, oh my Yeah, God, working in working um, in a really That's up, the 1300s. What's that? 1300s. Yes, um, that's the 1300s, A literary yeah. work called the Libro de Buen Amor. The uh, Book of Good Love. <laughs> uh, it's a very famous medieval, yeah. medieval work, and we, that must be an
0: interesting.
1: Yeah, book. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 actually it's it actually is very fascinating. So I recommend to anyone listening, um, check it out. There's <laughs> yeah. translations of it, and um, yes, uh, so we worked with that. Now we weren't working with the original manuscript because that is uh, not. Uh, Readily available. Oh,
0: yeah. Uh, as
1: far as manuscripts that I've actually held, the oldest one that I've worked with would be fourteen hundreds, uh, late fourteen
0: hundreds, and that was
1: for uh, text related to my my dissertation. So, uh-huh. yeah, uh, so fascinating.
0: Were these, Were these, uh, uh, I guess they wouldn't have been, if it's a 1400, that would be 1300. They wouldn't, they would have come from Spain or someplace else, right? They wouldn't come from Mexico. No, because yeah, those the were. The uh, documents didn't start until the 15th, uh, 1500s.
1: Right, yes. Uh, those documents were all in Spain um, prior to the, yeah. the ones I'm thinking of, prior to the discovery of the Americas, the quote unquote, right. I should say discovery. <laughs> um, yes. yes, so yeah. Um, And they were related to literary works and um, apocalyptic literature of the period, so.
0: Mm, My goodness. Um, It's interesting because in, I haven't gotten that far, obviously, I'm still barely in, you know, what, 16? No, not even, let's see, the furthest I've been able to go is, yeah, 1790 or something like that in, in Sonora. But what I find the documents that I find, and that's where you come in as a, as a specialist, um, as a scholar really, is that it's so confusing when I see these documents come up and I know I've seen my, my ancestor's name is on there and I can totally, you know, uh, pinpoint maybe, you know, uh, the town they lived in, but the scribble. And I find sometimes the misspelling, isn't that interesting that, that. There's a lot sometimes of misspellings of names and places. So there. And that, you find that? Yes. And
1: some of it is, I mean, there are misspellings, there are scribal errors, but there's also um, the archaic aspect of the Spanish, which uh, comes into play. There are, uh, but at that period, you will see certain letters that are interchangeable like um, the uh, B and the V, the uh, be chica, be grande, as we call them. Um, uh-huh. People will sometimes see a last name, like, for example, in my, my grandma's um, Lovato line, you'll see it even today written with a B or a V. Uh, the sound in mm. Spanish is actually the same sound for both letters, which is why people would go back and forth between those two sounds on when they were writing uh, it. Okay so um Uh it wasn't standardized but yes that can Uh definitely it can lead to confusion it can lead to uh yeah a whole whole flu of issues but uh
0: a mix-up right and i also find of course i just did a podcast a podcast on this a couple of days ago is that you know sometimes the names will change on the cities, they'll change it or the, um, you know, uh, the boundaries will change. And so that's very confusing because you will say, well, why, why, you know, is my ancestor living in this town when I know the town is not that name now? And so it's very confusing, but it's, it's why we have scholars like you who can help us figure this stuff out. Um, One other thing I found very interesting, and maybe you can just give me your opinion on it, is that, is it typical to see like a especially for Northern Mexican families, this idea of endogamy um, where there's a lot of intermarriage um, and it probably has to do with, they didn't want to mix. But my question is, is that native tradition or is that Spanish tradition?
1: The, just to make sure I'm understanding your question, question correctly, the marriage between people who are somewhat closely Related, maybe related. Not, we yes, uh, those, or but,
0: or in the same. So class.
1: I've I've found, and this is not um, a scholarly opinion because I haven't studied it in in depth. But I think um, even in my own family, I know there are people who were somewhat distantly related who still got married. Not mm. to the degree which the church would have prohibited it. But I think, um, I, I just assume part of it was that there were limited, <laughs> I don't, don't want to make a joke about it, but limited options. You were in small towns a lot of times up here. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so I, I think that probably had something to do with it. Um, and then they just yeah. had to make sure they weren't too close. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, you can trace. I mean, I'm sure.
0: That was kind of hard, but I've actually seen first cousins. Yeah, Yeah, I've seen first cousins in my line being married. So that was kind of like, uh, ah, what happened there? But you're right. You're absolutely right. It can happen. It does happen. And uh, there are some places in the world that it still happens. But um, I think it does have a lot to do with either a kind of keeping the culture intact and not wanting to, you know, uh, kind of like mix out of your culture or also the lack of available you know um i don't know what you want to call it i hate to call it you know gente de razon yeah. that's a word people use a lot yeah. but, but you know the spanish of course you have to take their perspective too and you have to say well you know um they wanted to just keep things you know uh as they know so that's kind of what uh, it's probably happening now, um, I've got like so many other questions, but I know we're coming up on the 30 minute um, half mark. And I just wanna know, do you still wanna continue or would you would you like to uh, save this for another, another oh, podcast? Oh, we
1: can continue. I'm enjoying this. Quite,
0: oh, awesome. So what we'll do is we'll end this segment and then we'll, um, we'll go to the next segment and um, that'll just give us a few minutes uh, to make that transition but we will be able to do that. And I will um, end this by saying um, we will start on the next side of Hispanic genealogy talk with Dr. Aaron Taylor of New Mexico. Thank you for joining us. This is Dr. Aaron Taylor of New Mexico, and he is talking to us about old Spanish texts. And uh, uh, welcome back, Dr. Taylor. Thank you. I'm glad Uh, we can continue our conversation. We're having such a good time. We're going to uh, finish the recording on the other end here. So um, as we were talking uh, before we had to break. Um, I was thinking about all the, the different types of records that are out there on FamilySearch and on Ancestry and on so many other uh, uh, search engines that do Ancestry. And, and yet people sometimes can't find their documents. And I just have a feeling it has may have something to do with the fact that it hasn't been indexed. And I was wondering uh, what your opinion was on that.
1: Yes, that is well, that is definitely an issue. Um, so a lot of the uh, older Spanish documents, for example, um, do not have detailed indexes. So for by, by way of example, the Spanish archives of New Mexico on Ancestry.com, they're wonderful images that they published recently, but most uh-huh. of the descriptions are based, uh, as I understand, uh, off of the uh, Ralph F. Emerson Twitchell Descriptions, which only give a few of the the most important names in the documents. So Mm -hmm. you may have an ancestor that was a witness in a case, maybe uh, was somehow involved and mentioned, but you wouldn't find that person unless you actually dig into the document. So I would say, uh, and and you see that in in, in different um, baptismal records uh, and so Mm -hmm. forth, just... Until people are able to completely either transcribe these documents, um, index them, it's a long process, and a lot of genealogists do that and they publish periodically in different societies. Uh, but it it definitely is an issue. I think the most yes. imp- the recommendation I would give to people is if you have a document uh, in Spanish that you know, isn't the same time and place as your ancestor have, have me uh, or someone yes. like me look looking. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had clients who have said, can you read this record? Don't transcribe it. Don't translate it. Just tell me, is this record, does this record have anything to do with, um, mm. uh, John Doe, <laughs> or uh, oh, okay. as we call them. in Spanish, <laughs> um, And that's an easy, uh, very inexpensive process. Okay. Uh, sometimes there are, and they come across a document that has the name of their ancestor, but they're not quite sure on the time. It looks like maybe it's 10 or 15 years later than they thought it should be. They send me the document. I can read it and just give them a brief summary. This is what it's about. Oh, you want me to keep really going. Cool. It's a nice way to save the resources mm-hmm. that we all um you know obviously our most most people aren 't able to throw away money <laughs> um it's it 's a nice way to save money but still be able to progress with your research
0: and you know you know yeah. but time is money, so if you 've got a document that 's really driving you crazy, which is what I did and i I, I sent it to the doctor and he tra- translated it for me um, You may not have remembered it it was five years ago, but I still have the document and um I I felt like it really helped me to uh, just, you know, break down that brick wall I was having. And, you know, I had been looking for these particular people for 10 years. I mean, 10 years is too long to yes. waste when you have someone like you with so much, uh, you know, uh, scholarly training that you could just, you know, dissect it in a few days or less. It just doesn't... it's not worth it to rack your brain over something that is of course important to you and will not be able to be, you know, that wall won't come down because you don't have the training. And so I would recommend you don't do that because your time is money and we all are on a limited time. We all have a timeline that we, you know, uh, um, we have to be careful with. So, um, that's why I recommend your services Uh, uh, so important um, to do that. And we'll go over some websites and, uh, and your Facebook and all of that. And Oh, by the way, I will also be putting that on my, my Facebook page, my blog, Mm -hmm. um, because uh, that's, that's going to be links that you can, the listener today can go and um, just press on that link and it'll take you directly to, uh, to Dr. Taylor's uh, website where you can, uh, you know, just ask for his advice and uh, send him the document and he will be able to tell you, you know, what he can do with it. So I think that's really, uh, really, really awesome. I find um, that uh, just with uh, the, uh, the podcast alone, it's hitting all over, not just uh, the United States. It's also going into central and uh, South America. I am getting some emails from that area. So I want to just, uh, posit this question to you uh, just because i want you know I want them to have a little a little bit uh, in the conversation as well uh, w- Do you ever get any uh any documents I mean, I'm sure you do at some point where they 're from Latin America like uh, other places outside of Mexico or Central America and is it different, and how is it different than from mexico
1: great question um, the one The documents that come to mind uh, are some um, the census type records that I dealt with, gosh, probably three years ago for a professor. I don't remember what university he was at right now, but he was uh, looking through all of these census records of the different Native um, populations and trying to tally, you know, how many families were there, how many children did they have, how many widows, and so forth. Uh, time period would have been early 1600s and mm. so i was looking through i want to say hundreds of pages of these documents and all i was doing uh was tallying for this this town there are this many uh, caciques, this many uh, wow. widows this many mm. um fugitives uh this many people mm. that have escaped and it it was fascinating because we don't have we didn't have that type of wow. system in new mexico um no after uh, the encomienda system after the pueblo yes. revolt and uh, those documents um for the most part don't exist uh that i'm aware of except if they happen to be copied in else other archives yeah uh mm-hmm. so that was a fascinating project um i have dealt with some documents from spain uh for genealogical purposes through the pares website uh oh yeah mm-hmm. and that's that's a fascinating new, uh, fairly new website. Uh, one of the, the really interesting things over the last few years is when I started my uh, master's studies, I had, mm-hmm. you had to go to Spain or look at Microfilm. Uh, within, mm-hmm. I think by about mm-hmm. 20, 2011, 2012, we were already into the digital document. Oh, yes. Uh, thank God. Still had to go to Spain, thank <laughs> God. Because <laughs> that's, that's the other side is, we, you know, you have to come up with an excuse to to go see the actual document in person, even if you have a nice image <laughs> of it. Um, And it's, you know, it's, it's good for the documents not to be handled as much, but um, it's it just kind is of a, a yeah. really rapid transformation of...
0: It's been amazing. Yeah. Uh,
1: but, but overall, obviously, very beneficial for research.
0: Oh, yeah. Absolutely, yeah, it's, um, you know, I always say that everybody has a story, and of course we all do, but it's a very unique story that uh, that uh, tells not only just of your family, but it also tells of the history from where your family came from. And of course, if you migrated a lot, moved around a lot, you know, that's that's kind of difficult to piece, you know. Yeah stories together. But if you've got a group, uh, say, for instance, uh, uh, your ancestors from New Mexico and mine from Sonora, and they've been there for a long time, where you're talking about a region and a political environment in which they lived and they tell stories through their music that way. And um, it's, and through uh, poetry and everything, I mean, you're unique to that particular region, in other words, is what I'm trying to say. And um, in, in light of that, you know, the whole concept of race just kind of melts away because it really is about culture. It's about culture. And everybody has a story to tell. Those in Oaxaca or Central Mexico or, or uh, Central America or South America, they all have a unique story to tell. And that's because of the things that transpired to them. And so we all are walking around with our own lenses, right? Yes. And, um, and that's why I love history because it's so fascinating. It really reveals you know, uh, a lot of people and some of the pain they're still going through, You know, carrying a lot of this um, in their hearts about how they were treated, but um, not everybody was treated that way. Not everybody had the same experience. So it's, it's my brother always says, cada cabeza es un mundo, yes. and that's so true that we are all walking around and for those who don't speak spanish it's like every mind is a world all in its own and it's very very true and uh, what we do when we do ancestry is we begin to uncover those layers of what happened to our people our people my people it wasn't unique you know maybe to someone who uh you know went to Colorado and, uh, you know, in the 1700s or whatever, but it's unique to me in the area from where I come from. And I love to learn about these things. So that really, you know, amazes me, but I have to tell you, I just can't get over some of these transcribed, uh, you know, uh, or these scribes that wrote. And I, I very, uh, I laughed and chuckled a little bit about um, one of your uh, slides that you showed recently uh, You're teaching slides where it shows um, a quote about uh, Don Quixote de la Mancha, yeah. you know, from uh, 1605 when the play was written in Spain. And it says uh, he is talking about something that ha- is happening to him at that point. And he says, quote, you make sure to have it copied on regular paper nice handwriting in the first village where there is a school teacher or some sexton can copy it but don't give it to a notary since they never remove the pen from the paper when they write and satan himself can't even read that style of writing yes. and it is so absolutely true i cracked up when i read that part because i said you hit it right on the target that is, that is a bibliographer's
1: uh Probably favorite quote. You'll see it all around when people are starting to study <laughs> the old scripts. <laughs> so,
0: I think we've all been there. And I've I've opened up, you know, on Ancestry and found a document, and I find myself cursing at the at the scribe who wrote it, you right. know. But then I have to remember, well, maybe he was, you know, this is Sonora, right? And uh, well, maybe he was in 110 temperatures, sitting oh under a tree. Trying to write this document, and uh, you know uh, documenting that this person died or was born, right. so um, I love that uh, people can go back in time and really recreate some of these experiences that their ancestors had and as a matter of fact I, um, I highly recommend it you know and if you can do it through books and you can do it through through um, other, reading other people 's old uh, records like you have done and really getting a feel for that period of time in which your ancestor was uh, living, then you can have a better sense of them in, you know, in, in many ways than just sitting there looking at a piece of paper that you can't, that you can't understand. And that's really what we're, what we're all about here. We're all trying to do the same thing, but of course this is why you are there. And, um, you have a YouTube video and you're, uh, Taylor Translation Services is on Facebook and the web. You have a, a website yeah. and I'll be posting all of these links uh, on my website too. Oh, I just got a new website, by the way. So that's going to be going up in about a week. I'll have com, so that all of these can be put up on that website uh, as well. And um, that will be live in about a week. But um, I have to say it's been a real pleasure... Uh, Dr. Taylor, to talk to you. Um, I would love for you to come back maybe next year and then we can do a YouTube video together.
1: I would um, love to. That would be.
0: Yeah, you know, you really need it in the Hispanic community. And it is my sincere wish that those listening will call, email, or message Dr. Taylor with your challenging documents. Yes. Um, he's a vital source and uh, we are so honored to have him in our community. So i'd like to thank you for taking the time today to uh talk to us a little bit about this and um, we'll be putting all of this uh on on the, as I said all of your uh connections uh links onto the web pages uh so people can have um a way to contact you
1: Thank you so much Timothy, and I just i want to reiterate to people that uh time the time time is money and if we uh if you can break through those brick walls like you were able to uh you know my services yeah. are not uh, extremely expensive uh, they're not even i don't think relatively expensive it's it's a pretty I don't think so. thing to do yeah. um yeah. and yeah i guess reasonable would be the the uh, the a good word to use um it's mm-hmm. it gives you that time to spend looking for other documents and although i know some people love to try to read them if you know it's great Play around with it, but don't—I wouldn't say—don't waste your time trying to read something um, that I can do in uh, a day or two, oh, and then you can move on with your research. And
0: um, absolutely,
1: you know, a lot of people,
0: especially when you can do this for you know the the cost of a meal, you know, a good meal. Exactly. So what's the big deal? You know, it is not that difficult and I think what happens many times within the Hispanic community is that we kind of get a little you know cowed with um, you know with uh, uh, people who have a lot of um, studying and degrees and this is one of the reasons why I wanted you on so that people could hear you 're just a normal person, but you have studied hard and you know your stuff, and that 's what this is all about is to bring people like you to the platform at least my platform, uh, the podcast, to show people that it's you're very approachable and it is something that you could use to maybe um, give as a gift for somebody or yeah. uh, give it as, as a gift to yourself. You know, Christmas is coming. Yeah. Don't rack your brains out over something you don't have to do when someone else can help you. And especially when, you know, it's so easy to waste money on just, you know, uh, activities that's not going to be, uh something that will bless you in the long run. Yeah. So um no, but- let's let's get a let's get a phone number for yeah. you or an email. My, uh
1: wherever they I can can give, give you both. Uh so my email okay. is Taylor Translations NM as in New Mexico at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And my phone number is right. 505-263-8605. And I just want to make one more comment. Uh, at the talk I gave to Absolutely. the GSHA last, uh, this past weekend, there was uh, one um, lady there who talked about how she's rediscovering and learning Spanish with one of her guests. Mm. It made me very excited because, uh, I mean, my full time job is teaching Spanish and having not known Spanish growing up, I know how exciting it is for yes. us as um, people of Hispanic ancestry to rediscover our language and as we were talking about documents Mm -hmm. i was thinking there might be a push um kind of maybe some subconscious that we feel like we should be able to read these uh you know our ancestors spoke spanish for many of us it was probably our parents or grandparents and so i love that there is a push by people to want to read and understand these and i encourage people to build on your spanish but also remember that the Spanish we're talking about in the documents isn't just difficult to read; it's also oh, a different yes. type of Spanish. There are different meanings very for words, different different, um, different constructions of language, and it does take a lot of study to get to the level where you can read these. And um, you know, yes. even even you know, I'm I'm by far the the world's expert on this, but there are Always opportunities for us to look and say, "Oh, I haven't come across this word before," and we have to know enough to know what we don't know, and then go research that more. So it's it's a different animal. But I do encourage your listeners uh, to Absolutely. learn Spanish to be able to you know recover the language that um, of their ancestors. But in context of the documents, uh, that is probably not the best way to do it. Um, you know, learn Absolutely. learn so you can communicate today. You probably don't. Uh, it, it's a, it's just a different a different. Um,
0: it's it it so, is, and I for 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 all, for you know for what it's worth, um, leave leave the hard stuff to the experts. That's really what this is all about. There are times when you you know a line or two, you get it. Okay, that's my ancestor, but if you want to dissect what is happening in the scene, because you have to remember this, these documents you find are like photographic moments in time of your ancestors. And if you wanna get close to them and really know what they were doing, what they were saying, what was happening at the moment, it's the best way to really feel that you're connecting with them is to understand that document. Yeah. And I, it's just not possible the, the the spanish the people speak today are it's nowhere near this old archaic spanish it's just too difficult and some of it's even latin based i mean i've i've seen some documents not from my own family but i've seen some documents that have latin in it it's <laughs> latin that's like my yes mind. and and the interesting and thing better. is a
1: lot of times those latin phrases are written uh, You know, 10 different scribes will write them in 10 different ways. And if you aren't familiar enough with the Spanish and the script and the Latin, uh, you may not even realize that you're looking at the scribe's attempt at writing a Latin phrase. So uh, that's (laughs) and then you could spend hours or days trying to figure out something that's not even Spanish. So.
0: Well, you know what I see? I see it on Facebook all the time and people trying to help people. That's really nice. But there comes a time when you have to just leave it up to the experts. And so uh, Dr. Taylor and Taylor Taylor Translation Services is the place to go. I don't know anybody else that's doing this in the country. And so we need to spread the word uh, of your services and uh, your awesome, you know, abilities, uh, because not everybody is interested in this stuff. And so thank God that you are and thank God that you pursued, you know, what you want in your heart to uh, help others and uh, let's all make it work for the good of everybody in the community. The more we know about our ancestors and our Hispanic ancestors, the more we will be rooted in who we are. And it's, uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful story. I've always said that. And it encompasses uh, uh, here within the United States as well, because the, the the Spaniards came here and they settled. And so we have a lot invested. Let's keep it going. So thank you so much for your time. Let's do this again. maybe Definitely. Next year. Thank
1: you, Cynthia. And thank you to all the I hope to hear thank from you all soon and I'll be listening to your podcast.
0: I we certainly will and thank you so much and have a very merry christmas.
1: Thank you you all. too. And to all the listeners, thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye.